Over the last two decades, I've been on a quest to learn everything I can about leadership, obsessed with what makes the best leaders so good. After running companies small and large for the last 20 years, today I speak on stages all across the world to audiences who are interested in that same question. My name's John Laredo, and I'm your host. I invite you to join me on this journey as we explore this topic, what makes the best leaders so good. Welcome to Tomorrow's Leader. All right, welcome to today's episode of Tomorrow's Leader, where we dive deep on all things leader-related, related to leading yourself and leading others. I'm John Lerito, your host on a magical February, beautiful, sunny day here in North Carolina. Hopefully it is not snowing by you, although we are supposed to get snow tomorrow. It's crazy. In February in North Carolina, I was told it would be 70, 75 degrees. Not 30, 35 with snow, but that's okay. That's all right. It's better than 30 inches. I'll take it. Uh, Probably an inch, maybe at most. Uh, So I wanted to share with you, I had a conversation with a a top leader, uh, somebody who uh, I respect a lot, who is in the medical uh, device industry, who had brought up a question that I thought was a great question. And he was dealing with the situation that um, his his basic question was, how do you know when you need to retract a decision versus you just keep going with it in light of negative feedback and lack of support? I said, wow, that's such a great question. Because uh, I know I've faced that many times. Many, many leaders, all leaders, I think, face that at some point. Sometimes as a leader, you've got to make tough decisions that are not going to be very popular. And that's okay. Most of the time when you go into a situation like that, you know, especially a tough decision is not going to be received well by everybody across the board. And in many cases, might not be received well by even most people. But what I've always felt that if I make a decision that's in alignment with the values and the philosophies and the principle and the vision of the organization that I may not get everybody's agreement, but I will get everybody's support. And that's what I ultimately wanted. You may not agree with it, but I want to explain the rationale. I want you to understand how the decision, how I came about that decision, or we came about that decision, and at least understand the reasons behind it, the why, and you may not like it, but I would ask and expect your support. In this case, this leader shared that they, their company had rolled out a major uh, change to the compensation plan for all of their salespeople. And they had done it uh, at the beginning of the year, and it was done in a really, um, admittedly by him, it was done in a very abrupt fashion. It was... Uh, without notice, and it was done for, as he felt, legitimate reasons. They needed to restructure the uh, the financial uh, side of the uh, they they needed to restructure the compensation, and uh, and uh, it had been long in coming. So it was one of these things that was kind of overdue. 
So they made a, a major change. Now, what they did was they made some changes where ultimately what it meant to the salespeople that were out there, where they would need to do more in order to earn the same amount of income that they had been previously earning, which is not uncommon. Most sales organizations, at some point, you're going to keep raising that bar, and that's expected. I think salespeople in general ultimately know that that bar is going to continue to be raised. But what they did is they... I think by his own admission, they moved it a little too far, too fast. And they ultimately got major pushback. And he was faced with major pushback from uh, his organization. And, and his question was, okay, at what point do you just say, all right, here it is what it is, deal with it, and let's learn how to, how to uh, still reach your goals and figure out how to reach your goals under this new compensation plan? Or is there ever a case where you retract or change based on the feedback and the input? Great question again. Now, you can imagine a large company like that, you go through all the efforts to make that change, communicate that change, you line up all the, you know, there's IT changes that have been made and everything just, everything needs to be recoded. I mean, there's a whole bunch of stuff that needs to be changed to align with this new compensation plan. So it's a lot, a lot of behind the scenes. And I asked this person, I said, well, where is the feedback coming from? Who's giving it to you? Who is negative and who is buying in and who's in support? Uh, and his response was, it's pretty much all across the board that everybody is feeling really frustrated uh, and uh, demotivated by this. I said, okay, what about your top people? Are your top people feeling that way? And his reaction was yes. I said, okay, well, did you prior to this, did you have, did you invite any of the top salespeople into maybe a, a meeting, a closed door session and just bounce some ideas off of them to get their feedback before you rolled it out to the rest of the field? Here was the problem. No, the answer was no. They had not done this. This was done entirely behind closed doors with senior executives and people in the home office and the finance team and everything like that without consulting anybody. Now, I think that's a big mistake. Because ultimately, when you're making a change like this, now I've been part of organizations where you change the compensation and sometimes you take it from the people at the bottom and you add it to the people at the top. And there's a net, net, zero net gain or loss. There's no new cha change. It's just where the money is going. Okay. That, in other words, the people at the top are happy. People at the bottom may not be as much. I think as an organization, if you're really trying to grow, you're trying to raise the bar, that's a smart decision. You have to do that at times. Okay, in this case, they were decreasing the size of the overall comp uh, pot of money, compensation pot of money, and they were penalizing everybody across the board, and even the top producers were really taking a big cut. And when I say big cut, then we're talking about 30%, maybe even 40% drop in compensation, which is a major, if they did the same that they did the prior year. That's a major, major cut. Now, I can understand some people, but your top people, that's enough where they're going to ultimately be really frustrated, really unhappy, and not only because the change was made, but because they were not part of the change at all. They weren't invited in to weigh in on this. And ultimately, that could cause your top people to leave. So in that case, yeah, this might be a time to rethink this. Okay, the cost of staying with that might be you lose top people. Maybe as an organization, that's okay with you. And you've, you're looking at just, re, you know, a complete overhaul. And that might mean 
okay, we're willing to lose top people, but most organizations, including this one, did not want to. So what I find the biggest mistake a lot of companies make, and tends to be larger companies uh, as well, uh, probably more so even than smaller companies, is they do not take the pulse or take input or feedback from people in the field or the people that might be affected by this. And I'm not saying everybody, but take some of your best people and ask their thoughts, ask them to weigh in. If nothing else, you're going to get somebody that's more supportive of the change simply because they were invited into the process of coming up with solutions. So they were actually part of it. So it's hard for them to feel totally left out or uh, soured if they were part, if they were invited to give input and feedback. Now, it's one thing if you're invited them to give feedback and you didn't listen and you didn't, it was more of just a kind of a gesture to check the box, eh, that's different. But if you're genuine and you truly are looking for their input, well, then they can actually be part of your solution in rolling this out to the rest of the organization. Okay, so I've always looked at my top people that might not be in a formal leader position, but you know the people, they're on a team and they tend to be the one that everybody looks at when you know they're looking for people's reaction or something you know they're they're kind of everybody's kind of taking their cue as to whether this is a good thing or a bad thing those are the people that you want to kind of bring into the tent they want to be part of you want them to be part of your inner circle because when you got big changes like this not only will they not be an obstacle they'll be an advocate if they believe that you know your genuine interest was to involve them in the process and especially if you get their input and you incorporate it and now the solution is really part theirs they own part of that solution uh smart companies do that and i see companies that operate very top down and everything is done within that you know confines of the senior 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 executive team and not really understanding how it impacts everybody across the organization and really you know not in touch with what's really going on i remember at a point in my career i was asked to give a presentation at a national conference and it was about how our branch was training and developing newer advisors. We had very high results with our first and second and third year advisor program. So we were being asked to talk, or I was being asked to talk on a stage in front of a few hundred of my colleagues across the country about what we were doing. And um, I remember having a call with the home office and the home office team was going to be helping to assemble the presentation, the PowerPoint slides or whatever it was gonna be, basically assist. Um, and they were going to be handling the logistics and this call was to learn about, you know, what, or at least this is what I thought it was, was to learn about what it was that I was going to share. And then they'd create the slides or whatnot, or help me build this presentation out. Instead, I got on the call and they said, okay, John, we appreciate you doing this presentation. This is great. Uh, we want to, we want to share the slides with you and just get your feedback and this and that. And I'm thinking, what? What slides? I, I, what slides are you talking about? They pulled up slides that they had actually created. They literally created the entire presentation, and we, uh, including a script, almost verbatim, of all my talking points. Now, this was like, a, I forget what it was, maybe a half an hour, an hour. It wasn't like a five-minute thing. It was like a legit you know, presentation, and they had created the whole thing. Now, this was not a team of people that were 
in touch and close and working with the field. And even if that was the case, I'd have a major problem with this. This is You're asking me to speak on a stage. This is my presentation. I'm not just delivering talking points that you're handing to me, which is in essence what they wanted me to do. They had created a presentation around something they knew nothing about. I mean, literally nothing about it. It would be like me asking my friend who's in the medical device business to um, uh, to come and give a a presentation on finance and uh, you know financial planning that I you know that doesn't <laughs> that doesn't work it doesn't make any sense and me pres- and 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 me or him I'm doing this wrong backwards whatever but anyways you get my point you know him creating the presentation for me to do on financial planning that would be a better way to say it so it doesn't make any sense bottom line is they had created the whole presentation for me so not only was it ridiculously uh, almost offensive. It was something I totally didn't want to do at this point. It was just baffling that they would think that that's okay, that they're going to come up with this in a, in the, in the confines of the home office, that here's how the field is having success when they didn't even bother to find out the answer to how and why we're having such success. That was the whole point of me doing a presentation. I bring this up only because a lot of organizations run that way. Uh, the company is is run very tightly and communication even doesn't get around the way that it should because everything is kind of within a small office or within a small room. Everything is done. Decisions are made. Strategy, everything. Plans are made. Everything within the small confines of this room that only holds a few people. I mean that literally and figuratively. And then the rest of the organization just has to adjust, adapt, accept, and deal with it. Well, you know what? That can work for some organizations and some size organizations, especially small ones that might be growing. But when you talk about an organization that's already kind of good size, big, and you've got organizations with a lot of talent in there, talented people don't want to be part of an organization that runs that way. It's just fact of the matter. They want to be empowered. They want to feel like they're part of the solution and the creative process to come up with ideas they want to feel like they, in essence, have ownership in the company. Uh, that's that's part of it. They want to feel like they're making an impact to that company, and they're actually part of the design team, so to speak. They don't want to just be, you know, taking orders. Um, and I find a lot of companies work that way. So uh, I want to share that. My friend brought up a great question. I think what's most important is, as a leader. Who are you getting feedback from? You know, who are you soliciting feedback from? And I'm talking about all kinds of stuff. I'm talking about how you're doing as a leader. When was the last time as a leader you asked somebody, hey, how am I doing as a leader? How am I doing for you? Is there anything I can do differently? How am I supporting you? If I could stop doing one thing, what would it be? If I could start doing one thing that I'm not doing, what would it be? Ask people for feedback. Ask your top people for feedback. And build an advisory committee, you know, a a trusted advisory board of clients, of customers, of your top uh, people in the organization. Get input, get feedback on ideas and decisions. And believe it or not, many of the best ideas, not many, but most of the best ideas that we've had when I was running organizations came from other people. Didn't come from me. They came from other people. And, and if a leader is counting on him or herself to come up with all the ideas and all the content and all the, you know, the products and everything like that, well, you're limiting yourself, you're limiting your organization, and ultimately you're, uh, you're, you're limiting the, the, the ability to grow as fast as you can grow. 
those top people in your organization are not, they're not going to want to stay with you. So uh, quick thoughts. Great conversation with my friend. I uh, figured I'd share it with all of you because I think it can be beneficial. So food for thought. Who is giving you your feedback? Who are you tapping into for advice, guidance, and just you know their thoughts and opinions on stuff? You've got to build your trusted inner circle and your advisory board. Think about it that way. So hope you enjoyed today. Hope this was valuable. Uh, until next time, make sure you share, like, comment, all that kind of good stuff. Go down below, give a five-star rating, give your comments in the review section. I appreciate it greatly and have a great day. Thanks everybody. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Tomorrow's Leader for suggestions or inquiries about having me at your next event or personal coaching. Reach me at john at laritogroup.com. Once again, that's J-O-H-N at L-A-U-R-I-T-O-G-R-O-U-P.com. Thanks. Lead on.